What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Ahoy, friends, and Happy New Year. Thank you for stopping the dial on Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 39, Stipulated. This week, we heard the DNA evidence presented at trial against Robert and Christian. The crew is all back together this week, and we are full steam ahead. We have stipulations, speculations, and your listener questions right after this break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've seen the film. You know the game. Now, Jumanji just got real. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Featuring Daredevil Dad, Mom on a Mission, and the kids who can't wait to ride the world's first Jumanji roller coaster. An epic adventure awaits. World of Jumanji. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Book this summer's must-do day out at Chessington.com. All righty, we are back. This is, uh, I know Zach already said Happy New Year, and I know you heard me say Happy New Year on Sunday, but you should know that I recorded that on Thursday and it wasn't the New Year yet. Uh, so now that we're, this is the first time I'm recording in 2023, along with Zach and Janet. Happy to be here, Bob. Really happy to be here. I'm glad. And it's good to see Janet again. We've got the YouTube chat going. We've had a riveting conversation there uh, in the YouTube in the YouTube chat. Um, and we're ready to start to talk about this. Uh, what did you guys think about stipulated? I lost my mind when I realized what happened there when I was researching this. Not what I expected to find out. I am mildly ignorant and didn't know that you could even do that. I didn't know that they could just 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 do that. Just stipulate they're like, we're just not yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And and you see it 
that happened in Adnan's case, too, I think. There was something in the there was some stipulation in there that I think Robbie and Colin and Susan found that was like, oh, Christina Gutierrez was just like, oh, sure, we'll stipulate that blah, blah, blah. And then it turned yeah, out to be Usually it comes up in problem. cases like this the other way where they stipulate to something that's not accurate. Um, yeah. You know, like they will say, you know, so the we both agree the evidence shows that the cell phone pings put it on at the scene at seven o'clock. And they're yeah. like, okay, well, maybe we'll it was stipulate. that. It might have been that. Yeah. Something like that. We'll just stipulate yeah. that. And then, like, you realize when you really look closer that, oh, no, that's not accurate. Yeah. Uh, but stipulations are normal. I, didn't, I don't mean to come up to, to give the impression that it's not a normal thing to happen at trial. They do yeah. it to speed things up. Okay. See, I didn't know that at all. It's nice when you have a list of things everyone agrees on so you don't have to, like, yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. But usually there are things like, you know, like say the the person on trial, their fingerprint and their fingerprints and DNA were found at the scene of a murder. And like the both sides will say, okay, we, well, we can't contest that. So we'll just stipulate that's true. They'll tell the jury that and usually you'll see it because maybe their defense was going to be a self-defense. Right. Um, okay. Defense, right. Like right. That. Right. So they're like, so yes, like, this happened. But yeah, the they're like, there's no way we can. Well, yeah, there's no way we can deny that he was there because of this evidence, so we'll stipulate to the evidence. Right. Because our case is going to be uh, about something else entirely. But I just right. I thought, you know, because I I had heard from people and I and I I had read so I read through the transcripts a year ago. Like just like read through them all. I wasn't I was just trying to get a feel for the case, and I remembered there being some like arguments or things said about the card being weathered and and different things. And I didn't realize until I went back through in detail that those things all were just talked about in closing. Like, mm-hmm. so as I'm going through all of these, these witnesses involving the forensics, I'm just like, what the hell? How did they, like, how is nobody bringing any of this up? Why did the defense not bring up the, the witness, you know, the, the expert witness from Sorensen's to explain that DNA? It was just, oh, hmm. yeah, it was frustrating. And then when I got to the, closing argument which was not part of my plan for this episode. i was you know i i i realized they kept saying that uh we've already co- covered this and i'm like well where and then i found the stipulations hmm. which were in pre-trial stuff uh where they had stipulated to it and then i'm like well how did this tie together so that's when i went to the closing arguments and i'm like oh you bastard the a key the the, the process and i don't know if it's aki or a key i think it's I, a key yeah i think i think that's what the family told so them. how how are they presented to the jury that's, I, I'm I guess so I don't glad understand how this works. Yes, like, I'm so glad you asked that. So in the if you if you were to look on the the case documents, I put up a uh, a stipulations thing. So what they do is they bring the jury in, and in that case, I think there was 24 stipulations, and they just read them. They're they're like, ladies and gentlemen, the jury, all of these things have been stipulated to, and they'll explain to them that means both sides agree that these things are fact. They're not going to argue them. You can just accept them as fact. And there, and then they went through like I did the the parts about like the sock DNA, and it was the, the worst part about it is that it's misstated. Mm-hmm. Like like you know we heard the analysis of that evidence by our DNA right. expert. Right. That's not at all. And they're like, there was DNA on the sock. Becky couldn't be excluded. Doesn't say anything about Robert and Christian. There was DNA on this part of the sock, and then she was ex- and Becky was part of it, and Robert and Christian we didn't know anything. And there's DNA on the other sock, and Robert and Christian were excluded. And they were, and they just, they're just like reading off all these things. So the, so the jury on the record heard all of those things, mm-hmm. but it's just, I mean, very obviously, and we're going to get into in a later episode, um, you know, the jury and, and what they thought from some, from a source we have, uh, about it. And you see, like they didn't, they didn't really consider the sock DNA at all. 
they just said, well, I could have been, uh, you know, part of a key's um, uh, closing argument was that, you know, the fire hose could have changed things and this and, and it doesn't matter. It could have been Javier's. It could have been. Right. And so it seemed like a nothing burger because it wasn't explained that all those people, every male that we know that's connected in her life that she saw that week yeah. was excluded. They didn't know that. It yeah. wasn't brought out. Akeem knew that, and that's why I said he's a dirty bastard, mm -hmm. because he knew that. He had the report. It was them. It wasn't the defense that did the testing in Sorensen. It was the state. Right. They knew when he said, think about it. Javier was there. Bo was there. John was there. Ron was there. Could have been any of their DNA. He knew that it absolutely was not any of their DNA yeah. on the sock. And so it was just, it was... It was just lawyering. It was a strategy that, that, in my opinion, badly, badly hurt the defense. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of questions about that and some comments uh, as well. Um, I don't know if you want to go ahead and, and jump into those or can we, if we wanna... can we talk about the conversation we had off the air last week about the speculation over how the business card got there really quick? Sure. So we, we discussed the idea that the business card was out there, that it came from Christian. And that the idea from the state is that somehow it, it magically came from Christian or Robert or somehow. But I do not understand how the state can come up with the idea of that it being crumpled. Like, why would you crumple it and give it to somebody? Like, if you're going to give it to somebody, it's a solid business card. If you, if you are taking something in your pocket and it just falls out of your pocket, it's still not crumpled. Like, it seems like a piece of garbage to me. Right. Uh, yeah, they just, they left the options open. And kind of left it. Basically, they they made a compelling case of the jury that Christian touched the card, mm -hmm. and it must have fallen out of his pocket, or maybe you know we don't know how it happened. But you're you know like you said, logic would say if it's in your why would why would you crumple it up and then put it in your pocket? Why would you crumple it up and then give it to somebody? Yeah, like none of the like as you said it. The most logical yeah. thing is crumpled up means it's garbage. Also, like if something is crumpled up, that that suggests to me as well. And again, this is all such speculation because it's you just start getting wider and wider out in like how much it does not potentially matter. But the idea that you have something that's sort of folded in some way and it's in your pocket, but that your pocket is so loose that like, I mean, I just don't know that many guys who wear pants or shorts where like the pocket is so loose that when you're picking a body up, like your pocket flaps open and something flutters yeah. out of it. Like I understand when you're like you you reach down for something and your phone slips out because guess what? It's super slippery or like your wallet comes out because it's bulky and it didn't fit that great in there anyway. But I just I'm trying to think. And again, I'm only I'm only going through my experience of of gentlemen I know in my life, but I'm hard pressed to think of a scenario in which something they had. That's just a little card is like somehow working its way out of a pocket and like fluttering to the ground unnoticed. It just that's hard for me to imagine. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. But if memory serves at the time of the murders, the temperature was over 70 degrees. It's hard to believe yeah, it had been like 90 a, that day. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't imagine anybody's wearing a coat. Mm -hmm. So you're talking no. about pant pockets no. now. Yeah. And it just, it just seems very unlikely. And then, you know, I had a conversation on Facebook with somebody who was talking about, um, the, the idea of them wearing gloves because there was no DNA on the wheelbarrow handles. And so therefore the state surmises the killer was wearing gloves, but at the same time, 
Uh, to, to put a I liked what your there was a great that I loved your response on that Facebook post. That was very helpful. Yeah, to me. And, yeah. So and then that's what and that's what I'm getting at here is it it creates a conflict for the state that I don't think the jury was aware of, and the conflict is Christian. If Christian was if their theory is that Christian was wearing gloves when he committed the crime, then that says he touched the card, but we don't know where or when there's no evidence to indicate that he touched it at the crime scene at the time of the crime. And in order to tie that card to the crime, they have to show that he was there touching it during the crime, during the commission of the crime, uh, at, at the time of the crime at the place. I'm, I'm repeating myself and rambling, but, but, but that's what creates it. If he's wearing gloves now, by default, what you're saying is, well, we're saying he touched the card, but we don't know where or when. And if that's the case, he could have touched the card uh, at Robert's house and and Becky picked it up. Or he could have touched it and and gave it to Becky or th- you know what, whatever. There's a million scenarios where the touching of the card, because they had been in contact down in the valley, both uh, you know the, the day before the murders and right. a year before. Was right. Becky's DNA found on that card? No, there was a minor contributor that was never identified as to who it was. Um, it, the, the only so if it's enough to give it to Becky, she f- handles it from him, and still it, it's got only got his DNA but not hers. Right, and, and yeah, that, well, the, there's all kinds of weird things with that. The, but more importantly, I think was when Blaine Kern testified to the same thing that Susanna Ryan told us. The one, the key pieces of that is that the DNA on the card itself was degraded. And I don't understand the science, but she remember when she was talking and she was explaining, I can see on these peaks that there's something off on the peaks, and that looks like the DNA has been degraded. And then that hmm. was brought up at trial, and Blaine Kern himself said, who was the owner of Hit Laboratories, said, yeah, that you would see that kind of degradation if something had been outside for a year. And it. So it's like, hello, right? Like, like, like that's exactly. You don't get that. They never showed any evidence that Christian touched that card at the crime scene at the time of the crime, and in fact presented a theory that he was wearing gloves, which by default says he didn't touch the card at the crime scene right. at the time of the crime. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I explained it better on Facebook than I just did here. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think that you 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 did it both times. You did it both times. Um, well, let's get into these these questions, because uh, I think we've started to hit on some of that and we may even come across a couple that we've we've since answered. But um, uh, let's start with with Teresa's question. Teresa, I see you in the chat as well. Hi. Uh, my high, my voice got so high just then. Uh, Teresa says, "Question about the fingerprint analysis: Is there?" And I'm. Oh, by the way, I want to say uh, I was flying home from Texas last night, and uh, I could only get my phone to go on the internet. My computer would not allow me to get on to the uh, airport Wi-Fi or the airplane Wi-Fi. So there is more. Uh, paraphrasing here because I was literally typing, holding my phone, like typing people's questions. So yeah. I was in a position where I sort of needed to paraphrase a little bit more than I usually do. But Teresa, all that being said, 
Uh, Teresa has a, fin- a question about the fingerprint analysis, says, is there any sort of computer or non-human process that could be used for, let's say, maybe a less biased determination? I say that not biased necessarily in the direction of wanting it or needing it to be Christians, but just in the way that human interpretation of a series of patterns may be suggested you know, by some kind of outside force or just a, a matter of opinion. So I think she's wondering, like, is there a way for that to be maybe a little more scientific nowadays than just looking at a picture and going like, hmm, this looks like it matches. This matches this. It's my opinion that this it matches. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, keep in mind that analysis was done in 2018. So it wasn't like it was a long time ago yeah. uh, when they when they matched him. I don't know the answer to that. I've only seen it in it was in 20. It was about the same time, 2018. Uh, when I was at a, the fingerprint lab and, and saw how they did it, and they were doing manual comparisons, you know, on the computer computer screen. Uh, but I did have just today, one of our listeners is a latent fingerprint examiner, had sent me an email and said they're willing to come on and explain um, how that process works. So uh, I'll default till that and we'll have um, – because I, I, I'm not clearly not an expert. So um, we'll wait till we have an expert come on. Um, and I want to mention that from our previous discussion, somebody, uh, Mitch from, uh, on the, on the YouTube chat said, you know, regarding the DNA on the wallet says, uh, maybe it was in his wallet for a year. Then he took it out and gave it to Becky. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maybe. The key word in what you just said is maybe. The state yeah. didn't prove when he put that DNA on the card or when the fingerprints got on the card. And why is DNA is Becky not on Or why is Becky's DNA not on it? Right. If Becky's the one that crumbled it, you would expect her DNA to be fresh and all over it. Right. And, and it's not, she, she maybe is a minor contributor. Especially if it's crumpled. I mean, right. if it's crumpled, you're really working it. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, but that, but that's the key. That's the point I'm making is it's maybe there's, there's a million, especially if they, if if they're putting forth a theory that they're wearing gloves, then it opens up the door for he could have touched that card at any time at any right. place. Yeah. Jim says, can we see the fingerprints? Just following up on, on Teresa's question. Can we see the fingerprints? Um, and how, if at all, I, I, it's a true, I don't remember you touching on this in the episode, but how was the difference in that fingerprint identification addressed by the defense, if at all? Like kind Stipulated. of scrutinizing more like how... Were people excluded and then nothing has changed in the technology, but now it, they're definitively his. Was that ever, that was never really drilled down into? Yeah, it, it's just, it, it, that's, that was kind of the, the point of the same thing with the DNA and socks. It was stipulated too. One of the stipulations was 
that in 2007, an identification was done that excluded Christian and Robert from the fingerprints on the card. And so it was just read to the jury. And, and that, so, and again, frustrating. They had Jennifer Sniff there to testify. What I was expecting and what I think should have been done is in 2007, you analyzed these prints and said that you had a comparable print. You compared it to Christian's fingerprints and determined they didn't belong to him. What process did you go through to do that? But instead, what we heard was, we're not going to get into what you did because it's already been stipulated to, and they moved on. Hmm. And so in the list of all the stipulations was, oh, by the way, there was a previous uh, fingerprint analysis done that excluded Christian and Robert, and they moved on. That was it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, And in terms of Jim asking if if there are images of the fingerprints that can be looked at just for curiosity's sake, if not professional analysis. Yeah, I mean, we don't have the... The Photoshop uh, shop images, we've, we've, we have the exhibits where they put up and showed, and, and I'll try to dig those out and get them up, um, where they showed the points that they found that matched up. But it's hard to, for a layman, it doesn't mean a whole lot, at least to me. Right. Uh, Jennifer, uh, I thought, had a really interesting sort of statement that I I feel like if we've talked about this or if we've said it this explicitly, it's been a while. Um, but I enjoyed her. I think we we kind of know the answer to this, but I think it's really it's good to restate and kind of look at it from this perspective. Jen- Jennifer H. says, so there's no evidence at all of Robert. How was he convicted? Good question. So yeah, <laughs> I looked at yeah. that. and I was like, I mean, I feel like we all have sort of accepted like, OK, well, these are the hoops like it's if it's Christian's card and Christian says he's never been there, then it must have been Robert and Robert was the ex and ex, he must have been the one that was obsessed. Like there's no if if there's no interest in Christian to hurt Becky, he has to only be there as the friend. Right. Am I? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So it's their theory was that Robert did it because Robert was supposed to go on the hike and they think that the body was moved in the wheelbarrow, which lines up with there being a hike. But there's zero evidence that Robert was there. So they find the business card, which is why I say it is the linchpin of the state's case. The business card has Christian's DNA and fingerprint on it. And since Robert says he was with Christian that night, then and we don't know where he was because he had no cell phone service at the time. That's that's how they make the connection. Without the business card, there's nothing. Uh, and, And of course, we know there's all kinds of problems with the business card. And and as we've just discussed, there's no way to show. And the state was not able to show that Christian was at that crime scene. They can only show that he touched that card at some point in time at some place. Oh, God. The amount of sleepless nights that anyone who believes those guys to be innocent must have had over and must continue to have over the randomness of that business card. You know, and I'm sure that's that I'm sure someone in the chat is going exactly right. It's not random. And I get it. I get it. I mm-hmm. get why you're saying that. And I'm not, by the way, I don't even know if you're saying it because I haven't looked at the chat. But, uh, you know, this idea of like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the it's like the Nisha call in a way. You know, it's like, yeah, like, oh, my God, all of this stuff is is all sort of being, you know, pointed in this direction. Like, why did the business card have to be out there or if it was out there at all or, you know, but yeah. like just that feeling, that feeling that the families must have of like, it means nothing, yet it means everything, you know, yeah, exactly. or it means everything, yet it means nothing. You put it in whatever order you want, but. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's the thing that put them in prison for life. 
Ugh, okay. Uh, Teresa says, was the jury polled on factors that led to guilt? I can't remember if we talked about that before. Um, I don't know that the jury was polled, but like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Okay. Um, and then we have a kind of a cluster of great comments and questions around this idea of being dishonest in your closing argument. There was a cool couple of conversations happening outside of the follow up in the Facebook uh, in our Facebook. But Rachel says, I found it interesting that the state's closing argument explained the DNA on Becky's sock as transfer. But the business card could only mean Robert and Christian committed the murder. Does dishonest closing argument allow for any kind of appeal? We'll start with that one. So. Th- both sides are given a lot of latitude when it comes to closing arguments. The judge will inform the jury that closing arguments are not evidence. They're not to consider what they're saying as evidence. And people have asked me, like, well, can you object? Why didn't they object to this? The answer is yes, you can object during closing arguments, but it is very much frowned upon. Uh, it is. It is. It, in fact, when I have seen it happen. I literally will say like in the transcripts, like you're like, I hate, I am sorry. I hate to object during closing, but uh, I have to object because that's a misstating of the evidence or whatever. And even in that case, usually the judge will just say uh, the jury knows this is not evidence and your objections overruled. They just, they, they give them a lot of latitude. Now what you cannot do during and the reason they might object then is what you, you cannot do is misstate evidence. And and by that, I mean, evidence is only evidence that is in the record. So in this case, we know that there is evidence that Javier and Bo and John and Ron were ruled out as a contributor of the DNA on the sock. Mm-hmm. But that evidence did not come into trial, and therefore it does not exist for the purposes of the trial. And therefore, it's not a misstating of trial evidence for the prosecutor to surmise that it could have been them. Uh, and so, that, so there's a there's a series of things going on there. One is, you know, in my opinion, they made a mistake by not putting on an expert and getting that stuff into evidence. Uh, and and then there was the prosecutor just being dishonest in the fact that he knew what he was doing and he did it anyway. Um. Jordan says, has Bob talked to the defense attorneys, uh, the defense attorneys at the time to find out more about why um, this wasn't pursued or, you know, the approach. I've I've talked to one of them. I've talked to Christian's attorney, um, John Dolan, um, and I did an interview with him that I'll air at some point. Uh, But at the time, at that point, I wasn't aware. I mean, I just kind of made this discovery last week. So um, when I talked to him a year ago, I didn't know this. Okay. And with that in mind, Amy and Susan and Kristen and and, uh, I think Sarah uh, all sort of are wondering, would the decision to not pursue the sock stuff more, uh, does that lead to the possibility of an ineffective assistance of counsel argument? It's tough. I mean, I want to make sure I put in the the disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer. Um, so, you know, take this for Boy, if anyone listening to this thinks you're a lawyer, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know yeah. how you got that impression. Yeah, definitely not a lawyer. Um, but the, the from my understanding, it'll be an argument you can make. But, well, I think it would probably be a tough argument because 
all the state has to do is claim that it was strategy. Um, and you can't, you know, we went through that with Adnan's case where, um, you know, they didn't call any alibi witnesses and they, they filed an ineffective assistance of counsel claim uh, because, you know, Gutierrez didn't call any alibi witnesses, but it was said, well, that was a strategic decision. Right. And if it's a, if it's a strategic decision, then you can't make a claim on it. Um, so I think that's probably what would happen here. I don't know. I mean, it may still happen. Um, they may make the argument and I may not, I may be wrong about this, but I would, I would assume that the counter to that would be, well, they had a strategic reason for doing that, for, for allowing the stipulations and not putting the expert on. Right. Okay. And that kind of answers Rossi and Jason's questions too, about the sort of wondering why that wasn't accentuated more or, or what to do in the present day. Um, Jordan says a separate thread discussing the amount of plan. Oh yeah, this was really interesting. And I did read the other whole other post about this but jordan said separate thread discussing the there was a separate thread discussing the amount of planned slash canceled trips on the weekend that the murders happened were vicky and john supposed to go somewhere that we heard that at one point we heard that vicky was supposed to go somewhere at one point we heard that john's son was supposed to be there at some point and all of those things got canceled so this sort of circling question of who should have been expected to be there on sunday evening and and by whom who would know right. and who would expect who to actually be there um and so you know then that sort of trails into with this with that in mind becky being potentially a surprise did they not know her car would be there um who would that be so there was a lot of discussion that i swirled into when i was reading the facebook posts about this idea of of you know her not being the target but still potentially knowing her cars there all that kind of stuff um, was was very interesting, and there was some really good discussion happening around there. I guess that's not yeah. really a question, but well, I, I missed that thread, but I'll have to I'll have to read it. But it's an interesting thought. Um, I don't think so. John and Vicky were supposed to go on vacation the, during the two weeks prior and didn't. Yeah. I don't think there was. I don't think anybody thought John wasn't going to be there that weekend. Okay. Vicky definitely wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, yeah. As far as who knew that, her friends from work knew that. Uh, Tiffany knew that. Um, I don't know who else thought that she was going to be gone. Um, as far as Becky's concerned, um, you know, she works at night. Uh, we th it looks like she probably wasn't supposed to be to work till 11 o'clock that particular night. But leading up to this, it sounds like for weeks she had pretty much been living down in the valley with Jacob. You know, she was staying with him. So, so there's, you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of open ends there where mm -hmm. people, you know, it's hard to know who knew what and when uh, that Vicky would or that Becky was going to be up there, that she wasn't down at Jacobs anymore. She wasn't at Javier's and she wasn't at work, you know, all places where someone who just say maybe knew. Let's just say someone had been kind of, you know, paying attention to what's going on over the previous couple of weeks. If they right. were if someone was planning this, I think it would be reasonable to think. Well, Becky's never, it's always just John and Vicky there. Mm. And then anybody that knows them a little more intimately would be like, well, Vicky's supposed to be gone. It's just going to be John there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting thought. I hadn't really thought about it until just now. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting too. I and mean, when you think of it as being the kind of weekend where like how, we don't know how common this is, but you know, in my life, it's not terribly common that within a small household, like 
uh, several different factors were supposed to be in play and then got canceled for like an actual trip out of town. Um, yeah. Maybe that was more common for them, but it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, Real Lynn, quick for you to do that, oh, I just sure. want to address from, yeah. from the YouTube chat. Um, sure. Mitch is talking in there with some other people um, about the DNA and, and they ask why aren't they pushing the issue now? And they haven't submitted anything for additional testing even now. I would just say, Mitch, you have no idea what's going on right now with their post-conviction attorneys and what's in what wheels are in motion. So just because you don't see something happening right now doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay. Uh, Lynn says. Uh, oh, also, oh, I'm sorry. I hate to keep interrupting you. That's okay. Also, I'm not saying I know exactly what's happening right now. I'm right, just right, saying right. they're right. in the process of working up their habeas. Right. And so stands to reason there are definitely things happening right now and as a defense attorney you don't that was actually those are other questions that came up in the follow-up uh thread which were as a defense attorney you're not placed in the same position that a prosecutor is where you can just be like like walk into the office and be like i'm gonna go ahead and grab those socks and i'm gonna head over and get those tested i'll let you know what comes of that right so it's yeah yeah yeah, it's, it's they're, they're going to have to either that. get permission from the prosecutor or file a motion with a judge to get right. testing done. There's yeah, there's there's procedures that have to happen. Gotcha. Um, Lynn says, was there was either set of unidentified male uh, DNA on the socks matched anywhere else or on any other evidence? Sorry, can you repeat that again? Uh, just, just, just. Lynn was wondering, um, just for clarification, the unidentified male DNA on the socks. Did that show up anywhere else? Like it wasn't like, you know, oh, know like on that, another yeah. piece of evidence. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. That's some of the analysis that we want to do. So we have these unknown profiles from right. the socks, unknown profile from the the pen, um, and there's a more from like the pant cuff. So I I don't know if if those are the same. If they match up, um, that would be a Susanna question and. You know, hopefully, you know, th- this is something that the defense actually hires somebody for and is and digs deeply into. So we'll have those answers. OK. And I think um, this comes up and has come up almost every week since we started talking about the socks. But since it keeps getting asked by multiple people in the follow ups, I just want to do it again. Just to clarify, to your knowledge, nothing was ever run through CODIS from the socks at any time. Correct. Yeah. Nothing in the case was run through CODIS, period. Nothing in the case was run through CODIS at any time, period. Lynn, I, th- I see that you, yeah, that y- you mentioned that you saw somewhere that the police tested uh, Robert and Christian's guns that they had then owned later for blood with negative results. That's not something that we've talked about at no, all. No, we haven't yet. covered any of that stuff yet. Okay. That is in the stipulations. Oh, yeah. that's what it is. Okay. So yeah, that's where you got it. Of course, that's where she got it. Yeah. Lynn, yeah, there's nothing like you I haven't you have, read that yet. You've heard all the inculpatory evidence there is to okay. hear other other than like well, I I say that that's not true because we haven't covered the Jeremy Witt the um the informant yet okay. which we'll be getting into and uh, and I guess it depends on how you look at it. You know, there's you know, pictures of the guys around a bonfire shooting guns and you know, posts they make they've made or letters they've written you know, basically where they're trying to say, based on this, they're Rivers. pyromaniacs and, and gun fanatics. So that stuff, right. you know, comes up. But nothing, but there's, as far as anything that connects them to the, that actually tangibly connects them to the crime, you've heard it. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so I'm going to, we don't have to, I, I feel like we're going to probably address that. Even though it was in the stipulations, it fe- feels like we are going to talk more about that. So maybe I'll let that go for now, talking yeah. about the, the, the ownership of those guns. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And uh, Teresa, also people looking at the the information surrounding the autopsies and evidence um there's some discussion about roxy sandals being mm-hmm. described as having been found on or around john and many people uh are familiar with roxy as a brand and understand it to be uh female oriented so there were a lot of people who sort of perked up their ears or eyes when they looked at the document and said wait a minute that doesn't really make sense and are just looking for more clarification on that was he wearing you know, them see- were they near him I was I was very unfamiliar. I've never even heard of that brand before. I is definitely it, have. Do, is it only women's sandals? I think I believe the they feet, said they I were think it's on like the women's feet. division of Quicksilver. Um, okay. Unless I'm mistaken, and I could be for sure. Um, but I believe it is a it is the sort of the women's side of Quicksilver, which can be unisex or can be male female. But then Roxy tends to be more of the female directed design um i was surprised i was one of the people who was like roxy sandals that's yeah i I absolutely imagine a a girl wearing roxy's yeah i believe they said they were on his feet or they were collected from like they were in his body bag um because i don't think there was i think the bottom of the legs were kind of um burned off but yeah it certainly seemed from what was presented at trial that they were like those were on his feet when he was when he was killed, because I was thinking, trying to get an idea. So she's wearing, I think, a thermal shirt and sweatpants. Um, you couldn't really tell much from his clothing, but he's wearing sandals. So it seemed like, okay, well, obviously not in bed yet if he's still wearing sandals, because, you know, obviously you would take your sandals off if you go to bed. Um, and we'll get into this. Uh, somebody asked in the YouTube chat when I'll be presenting my arson investigation soon. I'm we're, This week I'm working on uh, LeClaire's testimony. I just don't want to, I don't want to jump around to, uh, different topics until we finish this one okay okay so yeah roxy is a it's a women's division it's a company called board writers inc they own quicksilver they own roxy they own dc shoes element i mean they they own a lot of stuff. but so, it's for sure a women's everything i've said says women's it's for type in, for young type girls in the google roxy men's sandals it doesn't look like there's roxy sandals for men they're if you Google Roxy Sandals for Men, a lot of stuff comes up. And when you start clicking the links, it sends you to other companies. Okay. Oh, so that's very interesting that they assume, of course, that there's not a size or anything on there, um, that they said that those were on John, but it appears to be unlikely. I mean, who knows? Maybe he's got 
small feet and he slipped into, you know, and maybe Vicky had sure. larger feet and he slipped into Vicky's flip flops to go do something. Please, I, I enjoy putting on the boat sized shoes of my partner just because it's funny and try to shuffle around in those outside <laughs> right. uh, for laughs. So, yeah, that as a, as a man with large feet, uh, it's it's not as nearly as much fun going the other way, trying to slip into my, <laughs> my, my wife's tiny shoes. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, okay. Uh, so Kristen, shout out to Kristen. Uh, I'm so glad you posted this because this is something that I think you and I were texting about a little bit, Bob. And then I was like, wait, I'll save this because I'm sure we'll talk about it on the follow up. But, um, Kristen says, can you explain your theory on Becky's shoes? If she climbed out the window, do you think she was grabbed there and one shoe came off? Um, and then I would add to that. I'm still sort of puzzling over and i know there's just a lot of answers we don't have but as we sort of expounded on this idea of her being upstairs and in in some way or other trying to escape either the fire or the killers um where the shoe would have come off and where a potential shot would have been fired or you know where she would have been caught and then eventually placed in the in the wheelbarrow do you have sort of a picture in your mind of what that process looks like or is it more nebulous at this point uh well there's there's obviously a, a bunch of different scenarios I, I don't think because of the way her socks rolled down i don't think that like her shoe just came off when she was leaving so what i picture is and keep in mind we don't know that she was shot we don't know how she was killed i picture that she was in a struggle on and and oftentimes when someone's in a struggle like that, you'll see, and we've seen it. And, and Jim Clementi and I have talked about this a lot of times. Uh, it's actually how he helped explain some Kiao Gove's injuries. People will tend to go to their back because they don't want their back to their offender. So if she's like on the ground, I picture her on the ground on her back, fighting off, kicking at the person who's attacking her, mm-hmm. and and trying to grab her feet. That's I, I feel like that's how the sock or the shoe probably came off. Mm-hmm. We see obviously there are signs of some forensic sophistication. I mean, the, the the lighting of the fire in the house and the lighting of the fire on Becky indicates that these people, whoever did this, are at least aware of the fact that they are leaving evidence on the bodies. Um, and I think that's why um, you know Becky's body was lit, was was lit on fire. So I think it stands a reason that either you know if the shoe came off and they burned her that they would take the shoe and either throw it back into the fire and get out of there or just take the shoe. It's small, just take the shoe with them mm-hmm. uh, when they when they take off there. But it doesn't the, the way the socks rolled down. I don't think like the shoe just came off. I think it probably came off in a struggle. And I'm wondering if there wasn't like suffocation or you know they're just literally holding it. The thing about the gunshot is we don't we obviously don't have blood but that's you know they didn't look for it around in the area where i think that a shot would have happened we also don't have any neighbors saying they heard a shot and we've talked about before that as far as john and vicky getting shot inside a house with insulated walls and then hundreds of yards of air gap before Mm -hmm. the next house with insulated walls then someone inside um may not have heard the shot at those shots at all uh, and if they did, they wouldn't have been loud and jarring, certainly. And it sounds like from that area, hearing gunshots wouldn't be the weirdest thing to hear either. So they may not have noticed. Right. But I think of like in the dark, a loud crack sh- shooting outside probably would have been noticeable. So I'm 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 kind of leaning away from her being shot. Um, but we don't know. But yeah, I, I think that it probably um, probably came off in a in a struggle. And um to yeah. address real quick before you jump in, Zach, to address just a quick thing from from YouTube. Somebody 
somebody made a there were in, in the discussion there somebody uh somebody said well i think it was Teresa said that if john was wearing roxy's then it also stands to reason that he could also own or be wearing a pair of vans and it just, the only the only thing i want to address is somebody made a post and they were going through like the list of reasons why they think that the business card was important and in their post they said john and vicky don't wear vans and dg or whatever the other brand was or DVS shoes. I want to point out that's not true. We, d- I'm not saying they do. Yeah, but we have we, no idea. I mean, no, we have no I'm, idea. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to turn 44, and I own two pairs of Vans that I wear regularly. I mean, it's not. And Vicky worked in the shoe department of Macy's, so like, ju- ju- I just want to make clear, yes. we can't say For sure. John didn't or wouldn't wear Vans or DVS shoes, or that Vicky wouldn't wear either. We can't say that. We have no idea. They're ex- they right. were, ex- they still are. But particularly then, were extremely popular shoes. Right. So certainly they could have worn them. Way to slip in that your birthday's coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, talking about Becky's cause of death, and you you were saying that you don't believe she was shot. I've had the the displeasure of seeing the autopsy photos, and the only spot you know they say that there's no gunshot wounds on her body present. So there's one spot of her body that is missing that is burned away. Right. But I feel like if you were the the spot that is pr- or that is gone, if you were shot there, that's a long. I mean, you would die, but it's a long. You know, I mean, this isn't an instant death. Yeah, it been, they may have if hit you're shot in liver. The, it would be a yeah the most vital organ that could be hit that wouldn't have hit ribs. I yeah, I, being where the the shot was and the part of her body that's not present. I mean, that's a long. That's not a die quickly. Right, right there. I don't think that. I don't think it's the same kind of scene you would see. Yeah, I I don't think so either. It's still certainly a possibility, but also that would that would be a lot of blood loss. Yes, exactly. Um, for you know, if she because you know what he's talking about in the left side of her torso, there's an area that's completely burned burned away. Um, all that remains is the ribs, which is part of how the you know Elaine Pope knew that it, she hadn't burned longer than 20 minutes was because the ribs were still intact, mm-hmm. um, but the flesh had burned away. Um, yeah, so that would mean the shot would have went in under the ribs, and then you know there's a you know if it's just you know intestines and gallbladder, other things like that, that's a very slow death. Liver would be quicker mm-hmm. um, within a matter of minutes at least, but also would would be a lot of blood loss if that if that was the case. So yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards you know there's there's certainly studies out there that show that you can be um, strangled without breaking the hyoid you know mm-hmm. they assume not strangled because the hyoid wasn't broken but also there's a possibility of just you know being suffocated somebody's just holding their hand over your your mouth and nose there's a, there's a lot of possibilities there yeah um boy that's just we the, the the feeling of going round and round a little bit with the forensics on becky is um it's so maddening i mean i remember you saying that at the very beginning of this whole process like just talking about that crime scene and trying to put the pieces together of what happened and in what order is I feel like we've made a lot of progress on some of it. And then some of it is just still so baffling and, you know, not knowing if there's space between people being killed and their bodies being lit on fire. Just all of that is it's it's can make you go crazy. Um, uh, We're basically finished. I wanted to shout out Jocelyn and um, and uh, Kelly, you both had pointed out in this Facebook about 
this idea of being shot outside and that being the difference between being shot inside and outside and, and being able to be heard and things like that. Um, yeah. And also the possibility of Becky trying to scream or something like that, which actually could lend more to the idea of being suffocated, maybe if you're trying to stop any that, sort of noise. Yeah. And that's kind of what leans me in that that direction is I'm just trying to think practically if this is a scenario, if the guys, you know, if, if the killers are out there, they think they're done. They've, they've killed John and Vicky. They've lit the house on fire. They're just gathering stuff up so they can get out of there. And then all of a sudden somebody comes jumping out a window, you know, what are things, you know, you have to get control of that person, which requires physical restraint. If there wasn't a gun, you know, let's take a gunshot out of the mix for now. Um, just because of those, all those factors we just talked about. Um, but so you have to get control of them to stop them from escaping. That involves a physical altercation. Uh, it, it's, it's very typical in a situation like that for somebody to, to lay down on their back and use their legs to kick the person away from them, which would explain the shoe coming off. But then the other thing is what do you have to do to stop people from being alerted is stop them from screaming, which then re- then, you know, stands to reason a hand over the face, you know, the, the mouth and the, and the nose. And, and I would, and I would suspect more that just thinking of human nature, and this is all just, this is tea leaves, just to be clear. It's not anything that's, that's, you know, evidence, but if someone's screaming, I think your reaction is to put your hand over their mouth more than start like strangling them, you know, on their throat. You're going to try to stop them from making right. noise. And I could see the pinning down and, and then it, and then it continues. And again, these are, this is speculation. I'm very clear. This is just speculation about possible hypotheses of what could have happened here. But if they're holding their hand over her mouth, then what is she going to be doing with her hand? She's going to be clawing away, trying to get the hand off of her mouth, right. which then puts the killer's DNA right. underneath her fingernails. And and I, I know that you guys haven't seen these photos because we don't share photos like this, but Zach has seen them. You'd notice very disproportionately that her hands and fingers are burned away more so than than the the rest of her body. I mean, of course, there's you know the part where the fat would then you know liquefy and render into the into the wheelbarrow and burn away that part of her torso, but her hands are just completely burned away. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the tip that like the top the second half of her fingers are gone, which you know to me seems like. Okay, every, everything in the scenario we just laid out, if that happened, and the people know, like, God, she just scratched all over my arm, and so now my DNA is under her fingernails. I could see them pouring gasoline or lighter fluid or whatever it was directly all over her hands, right. you know, and, th- and that, again, shows why they weren't maybe thinking about the socks, the ankles, the lower legs, that they're not, like, so forensically sophisticated mm-hmm. that they're like, I could leave touch DNA all over her. They're like, my skin is under her fingernails. So I need to burn those away so that I'm not caught and didn't think about touch DNA. Those things all, and again, it's just a hypothetical scenario, but those things all fit together for me and they make sense in my mind. And right. and it doesn't mean that's what happened, but it's the only scenario that does make sense in my mind. Right. You know, you know I mean? it's interesting too. I'll just throw this out there while we're talking about the idea of close-up contact the potential of scraping someone and getting your, their DNA and and giving them scratches. We're talking about the late summer. We're talking about 90 degree weather. Yeah. The idea that your Javier's, your bows, your Nicor lines, 
your Roberts go in to be questioned or show up at the crime scene. Um, if I living in from a hot climate as I do and have, um, if somebody on a 95 degree day uh, came up to me wearing a long sleeve shirt, I would be like, what are you hiding? <laughs> What's right. wrong with you? Or they would not be wearing that and they would be wearing short sleeves and they would have zero evidence on them whatsoever of any kind of a struggle and any kind of scratching or anything like that at all. So yeah. it's interesting that, you know, obviously I can't speak for Christian because he they didn't bother talking to him, you know, right away. But or he just didn't talk to them right away or whatever. But like, you know, Robert was at the police station um, on on a hot day. I mean, I just, you know, and no, you well, never hear anyone. They say, that, can, I, can I look at your footprints? Can I look at your shoe prints? To Javi, but you know, no one says like, "Can you lift up your sleeves? I want to see if you have scratches on you or anything like that." Yeah, and, and that's something we've never discussed before. But even with the state's theory, is that there was something went wrong and there was a struggle out in the desert, right? And and that's that's that that's how you know the area of disturbance and all that. You would expect to see defensive wounds on, or wounds that were created in defense on the perpetrator. And what we do see from now, we have we don't have photos of everybody that like we have. We have no photos from like right afterwards of Javier, but we have a picture of Bo Nash from that day standing. Um, I don't think I published it, but he, but he's he's standing out standing out by the crime scene when he's being interviewed. He's wearing shorts and a t-shirt. We have video of Robert's interview. He's wearing shorts and a t-shirt in his yeah. interview on the day after. Um, uh, like I said, Javier, I, you, you can only assume it's a 90 degree day that he's probably wearing shorts and a T-shirt. I don't know. But what we know for sure for Robert, at least, is if there was this struggle, then how did he get away from that without having scratches and claws on his arms and his hands or his face or his neck? You know, it's, it just it, it all it just becomes harder and harder for me to jump through the mental hoops that you have to jump through to make this theory of the state's make any kind of sense i agree and montana i know there's a delay but that means that you are thinking exactly what i was thinking because i see you brought up the scratches as well um yeah uh that's definitely something i want to shout out also des's post on facebook you kind of getting more into the arson um investigation you brought up that you were sort of reinvestigating it from mm -hmm. uh from scratch and uh and amy i saw you posted something about it in the youtube chat as well some curiosity about where you are with that and if that's something that we can expect to see forthcoming um because i i probably will save des's post for that if if it's going to happen yeah it's definitely going to happen i i struggled a little bit this week trying to figure out where to because i i, I want to get into that i've started it but i haven't really yeah, my my process of whatever I'm investigating in a particular week is this is part of the process of writing the episode. That's why a lot of times they seem like they're kind of in real time is because they are. Um, so I've started that process, but I've I've decided, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we've been on the business card on this investigation on these forensics. Um, so I thought before we jump to the arson and then back, I want to stay on this. I want to see this through to the end. So what we have coming on Sunday is I'm starting to break down Gary LeClaire's trial testimony. It, it may be a two-parter. I'm still in the process of breaking because I'm pulling out throughout that test. His his main testimony is 174 pages long, and then he was recalled. Um, and throughout there, you know, what I'm trying to is, is so you guys will all be able to follow along with it in the testimony. You know, they're talking about when we're looking at the people's 129, this photo. So I'm like pulling out all those photos and saving them and labeling them in a way that when you're listening to the episode, you can go on our webpage. And and look at the photos they're looking at. 
Um, so that's where we're going now. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it'll probably end up being a two-parter as it's Wednesday now, and I still haven't started the writing process because I'm still going through the testimony and breaking all that stuff out. Uh, but my plan is after we do get through uh, LeClaire's testimony, then um, after that, I want to do the arson investigation thing. And then just kind of looking forward to what we have. We, I, I've got at least an episode I want to do about the, um, the, the informant that became a huge part of the trial. Um, Jeremy Witt, we're going to talk about that whole situation. Well, we got to hear about all of the other circumstantial sort of goes yeah. to character and motive stuff that I, for one, I'm not looking forward to, but. Yeah. Yeah. And so we got to, yeah, we're going to go through, through that stuff. Yeah. I don't remember what else I was going to say, but there's more to come. We have okay. more, plenty more to come. The last thing I want to say is I just want to acknowledge, because we haven't really mentioned it at all, the Bonash bonus interview. Um, is there, I think the general question, um, I saw one person stated it really nicely and cleanly, and I apologize that I didn't uh, that I didn't write it down. But the sort of general idea of like, what did you get from that interview, if anything? Like, what what was your sort of takeaway from that interview, if anything? Nothing. What I heard was someone who was, you know, it's ten years later. They someone whose you know opinions have been formed based on every rumor and news report and everything that's happened over that time, trying to be helpful and it's just and it was is y'all know it was a tough interview to listen to you know he's he just got a lot to say and i think he thinks he's being helpful by sharing what his theories are on all this stuff but there's nothing there's nothing there to grab onto i think you know mm-hmm. you've got to look back to his interviews on the day of and the we you know closer to it to know what was what were actual memories as opposed to things that seeped into his mind over the years because yeah. you hear certainly that he has his suspicions about Javier, but also he knows that Robert and Christian were arrested, and so he's you know he's looking right. in both of those directions. But I don't I don't think I don't think there's anything we can really glean from it. Yeah, yeah. It, for me, it almost re- just kind of reminded me because we've heard so much personal stuff about so many of the people involved in this case that are even tangentially involved in the case. It's just like we all go through highs and lows in our lives, and mm-hmm. I'm not making a specific assessment about that interview but in general because it was a little chaotic because there was a lot going on there are family members there and dogs working and photos being taken which yeah. was a very interesting question someone asked was like or someone taking photos during that it sounded like there were little flashball you know little pictures yeah, being taken going off that seemed mysterious there was just a lot happening there but um even just you know those those references to things happening in the past um you know that we all go through a lot of a lot of ups and downs some of us more than others and cer- certainly in certain eras of our lives and ages um and so my heart kind of goes out to we say this every time but my heart just goes out to everybody who was involved in this in even in small ways who just had everything lay bare and now we're picking it all apart and sometimes i feel yep. real bad about that <laughs> yeah that's tough uh and with that i think we'll end things here zach you have anything else to add nope all right. Well, thanks for your Googling skills. Well, I got gotcha. you. Very helpful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to solve Janet. this thing by Google. Right now. Uh, yeah. And um, again, make sure you tune in on Sunday for uh, at least the first part of Gary LeClaire's testimony. And we'll just keep on marching on. Hope everybody had a good new year. Uh, and uh, let's get back to work. Thanks, everybody. Sounds good. Bye, thanks, guys. everybody. Happy New Year.
NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. I would love to be. I would love to be let out of the closet here. They leave the man who sealed the sea. I don't know why that song's in my head, but I cannot get it out. I also don't know, but I'm fine with it. Go live. Go live. Go live. I never learned to read. <laughs> Sounds to me like you have a DJ voice, Bob. I'm done. I couldn't help myself. I don't think you realize how much you repeat yourself. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> if you are a Patreon member, you can watch Bob spit water on me. I mean, I just don't know that many guys who wear pants. You're seeing it happen right now. On the job, in the moment, investigation happening via a tool we call Google. For those of you who are unfamiliar, it's a search engine. And uh, eBay is a um, auction, an online auction site that has been around for quite some time. Say goodbye to the dish and hello to Skystream, the new way to get Sky over Wi-Fi. So you can get unmissable Sky shows like The Last of Us and Succession, as well as Netflix and Discovery Plus, and loads more, all in one subscription for £26 a month. Oh, and next day delivery with no upfront fee. Skystream, TV simplified. 
head to sky.com. Requires SkyStream and broadband minimum speed, 10 megabits per second, 18 month minimum term. Cut off times apply for next day delivery. Excludes bank holiday. 18 plus terms apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 